How many this morning enjoy waiting? We don't enjoy waiting. We want that drive through to go, boy. You ever been two cars back? Say, what in the world did them people order anyhow? Or worse than that, the very worst that can happen is this. Would you mind pulling up just a little bit and we'll bring it right out to you? No, I don't want to pull up. I want it now. We don't like to wait. Uh, you know, uh, we go to the doctor. What's the first thing we do? You go to the waiting room. What do you do in the waiting room? Nothing. You're waiting for that nurse to come back and say, Mr. Hutchins, it's your turn. Or you get to uh, get them magazines that you don't know who else is handling them. I told my sons, they were growing up, we took them to the doctor and said, boys, it's like this. You don't touch nothing in that waiting room. Sick people been in here. But the Word of God instructs us to wait. And that word wait, it means what it said, wait. Sit down, don't do nothing. Too often, because we are impatient with God, we take matters into our own hands, and the result of that is always a worse mess. When the Lord has promised, believe it. Wait on him. Now, I had a situation a few years back when I had to wait on somebody. I waited on three hours. That was a miracle, wasn't it? The deal was this. It was someone that I loved, and because I loved them, I believed them when they said they were coming. And because I believed them, I trusted them that they do what they said they would do. Three hours later, they showed up, and we took off on a trip. But see... If there is no faith, you ain't going to wait. If I hadn't believed them, I said, <laughs> I'm going. Now, since then, I've instituted a wheels turning policy. When I say 8 o'clock, praise God, I may be here at 8 o'clock because the wheels of that man going to turn at 8 o'clock. And I've had a lot of success with that since then. But there are going to be times in our life when our faith is tested, and the test is whether or not we will believe what the Lord has said and we will wait on him to be faithful to his promise. Got a couple of examples I'm going to share with you. We're going to read several scriptures this morning uh, that the, the, the Spirit of God just impressed on me. Two men had a lot in common, very different outcomes. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, verse number 1. When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. That's shouting ground, isn't it? The Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verse number 54. Having arrested him, him being Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, together Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he, Peter, denied him, Jesus, saying, Woman, I do not know him. 
And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. Now, how'd they know he was a Galilean? Because he had an accent like I do. Why don't you preach in Ohio and Michigan and New York? Because the way I talk. Galileans had such a rural, I'm trying to be sweet, accent here that they, they were not allowed to pray in the temple because of their accent, like my accent. But Peter said, man... I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Two men with a lot in common. Two men who were of the twelve, the inner circle of the disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, all we want to remember about Judas is that he was sorry, low down, no good, not worth the price of a bullet to blow his wretched brains out. That's all you, because of what he did. We don't consider another perspective concerning him. Judas indeed betrayed our Lord. Did it with a kiss. That's about as low as you're going to get. But understand his experience. Judas was also one of the twelve. Judas was an eyewitness to Jesus restoring sight to the blind. Judas was an eyewitness to Jesus making the lame walk again and the deaf hear. Judas was an eyewitness to Jesus raising the dead. And here's the topper. Judas was an eyewitness when our Lord spoke to the elements of nature and they obeyed his word, peace be still, and the storm calm like a good dog. He also had experienced all these things. So if you look at it from this particular perspective, and I'm not justifying anything that he did, but what I am saying is that with the experience that he had, and he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll uh, identify him for you. I'll betray him into your hands. I'll tell you where he's going to be, and you can get him. He did it with an idea in the back of his head. What are you going to do with him? What are you going to do to a man who can control the weather? What can you do to a man who demonstrates such power? Because the reason there was this triumphant entry into Jerusalem to begin with was because everybody had this, all the Jews had this thought in mind. Woo-wee, when he gets here, he's going to grab them Romans by the tail and he's going to kick them out of here. He's going to get their foot off our neck. Come on, Jesus. But when he doesn't do what they want him to do and what they expect him to do, this same crowd cries out, give us Barabbas. So here is Judas who has betrayed the Lord and suddenly he has an epiphany, an understanding of what he's done and he goes back and there's nothing he can do to undo what he has done. It's out of his hands. Jesus has been held captive. He throws down the 30 pieces of silver, makes this declaration, I have betrayed innocent blood. But th and then he makes the gravest mistake of all. He goes out and hangs himself. He does not wait on the promise of the Lord 
For you see, the Lord has already instructed them, said, look, I'm going to die. But on the third day, I'm coming back. If Judas had only waited. He was so disappointed in himself. But the worst part is he was disappointed with the Lord that he goes out and hangs himself. What are you saying, Brother Andy? I'm telling you flat-footed that if Jesus had waited until after the resurrection, I mean that Judas had, that Jesus would have forgiven him of what he did. Woo, Brother Andy, I don't know about that. I absolutely, why? Because Jesus Christ will save everybody who comes to him. His promise is, I will not turn you away. I will save you to the uttermost. What Judas did was bad, but beloved, what Peter did was bad too. I really have a difficulty elevating what Judas did above what Peter did. Judas betrayed Jesus, but Peter denied him. I do not know him. I am not one of those. Do not identify me as one of his followers. What Peter is saying in, in, in these denials is, I am not one of those. I do not believe in him. Do not count me as one of those. I remove myself from that company of people who believe in him. I'm not willing to suffer the consequences now of being his disciple. And the rooster crows, and we all know how the Lord told him, for the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. The rooster crows, what what kills you in this uh, Luke's uh, narrative of what happened is that the Lord turns and looks at him. Now, did Jesus call down fire from heaven to consume Peter? No, he just turned and looked at him. Peter runs out and weeps bitterly. But the difference between these two is this. Whereas Judas gave up, Peter didn't. There's a difference between an apostate and a backslider. The apostate is what Judas became, and he gave up on Jesus. The backslider has given up on himself. Praise God, it's going to get good here in a minute. The backslider is disappointed with himself. His weakness, his faults, his failure, his sin. And he's given up on himself. That's what Peter did as he goes out and weeps bitterly. But here is the good news. The Lord that we serve is one who will restore Where did Peter go? Went back to the 11. Well, he's part of the 11 now. He goes back to the other 10. Judas is dead. So then instead of 12, you got 11. But Peter goes back to them. Where is Peter when the Lord appears in that room without opening the door? Peter's in there with him. My gosh, felt the Holy Ghost. Where did Peter go? He went back to church. It's all he knew to do. He knew he'd messed up. He knew he'd sinned. He knew he was guilty as homemade sin. But he went back to church. 
with the other ten. And there they are. And I'm, you know, the Bible doesn't really give us an insight on the conversation they had, but you know they had to have a humdinger. Of a, well, Peter, are you proud of yourself? You know. Peter couldn't feel any lower about himself than he did. But he went back to church. And he went back to the Lord. And because he did, Jesus Christ forgave him of his sin. And then three, and to solidify this, Jesus gives him three opportunities to confess him after Peter has took advantage of three opportunities to deny him. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Feed my sheep. I, and I've got the text. I could read it to you, but I'm not. I'm not going to preach a whole long time this morning. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know. Boy, Peter's really love. See, Peter don't understand yet what the Lord is doing. The Lord is restoring him. Peter, you messed up. You denied me in front of You denied me publicly, you hound dog. What is the Lord's response to the fact that Peter come back to church and that Peter's come back to him? I will restore you. And it's going to be like this, old son. You're going to live to get old like Brother Andy years from now. And you're not going to be able to do what you want to do, but other people are going to have to help you get around to where you're going, but your death is going to glorify God. That's what Jesus said to the man who has denied him publicly. Your death will glorify God. And Peter, what you don't know is when the day of Pentecost is fully come and the Holy Ghost comes down, and you are baptized with a 120 in that upper room, and y'all go bawling out in the street because that crowd is there, haven't heard that sound of a rushing mighty wind, you will be the one that I will lift up and you will preach on Pentecost. The Lord has a way of making examples out of folks. He has a way of reaching down. The psalmist said, I was at the bottom of a pit, stuck in the mud. I could not help myself. I could not get out on my own. But he reached down to where I was, and he pulled me up, and he set me in a large place. That means he put me in a place of blessing. Peter could not help himself. Peter could not forgive himself. But Jesus did. Oh, Judas, if you had only waited and believed what the Lord had said, I'll rise again. Should we wait on the Lord? If we do, he'll strengthen us. There are a lot of blessings. I got a, a zillion of them down up there, the scriptures, of what takes place when we wait on the Lord. Isaiah, the one in Isaiah, you know, those who wait on the Lord shall mount up with wings of eagles, you know, and do their strength and all that. And I heard a guy misrepresent that. I hope if you're a T.D. Jakes fan, he messed up. He said, oh, yes, that wait, it, it, it means like as a waiter, as a serpent, no, it don't. I had a funny feeling in my spirit when I heard that. Now, I said, I'm going to check that out. I don't feel right about that. When I checked that out, you know what I found? Like what wait means? Wait. And I went to another commentary wait means wait 
And I went, I mean, I have several, you know, because I got 10,000 Bibles and stuff in my office. And I kept searching. If anybody thought that meant, you know, no, it, it means wait. It means wait on the Lord. It means don't do nothing. It means, I'm talking to somebody, but I close my eyes, so I think I'm looking at him. It means do not take the situation into your own hands, but rather put your trust in the Lord. Well, so Nancy, I sure appreciate the fact you stood up and testified this morning. You reckon God's in this thing? I mean, you could just got yourself a shotgun, took care of it yourself, but you didn't. You prayed. Oh, I can't believe Brother Andy said that. Yeah, I did. But hey, it's the world we live in. But you prayed and put it in the hands of the Lord, didn't you? And then He did it. You didn't have to. He did it. I'll say that again. He did it for you. Because you believed in him and you trusted in him and you put it in his hands and you prayed to him and said, Lord, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to get my shotgun out. I'm asking you to do something I can't do for myself. And he will if we wait on him. Amen. I'm waiting on him right now. What you waiting on, Brother Andy? I'm waiting on him to come back. Amen. Oh, Brother Dorb, you sing that song. I'm looking for Jesus to come any night, any day. I'm looking for Jesus to take his bride away. How can I remember that when I can't tell you what I ate yesterday? I'm waiting on Jesus to come. He's coming. You know, you ask too many preachers. And, and Brother Messer, and I, I got tickled at him. He said, Brother Andy, I asked preachers, when do you think the Lord's coming back? Oh, I think he's coming back in two or three years. And Brother Messer just rolled his eyes. I said, when do you think he's coming back, brother? And I knew what the answer was going to be. What do you, do you think? I think he's coming back today. You know why that first century church was the first century church? They lived with the expectation of Jesus coming back today. Not two years from now, today. That's how they lived. When you embrace the truth that Jesus Christ is coming back, that there's going to be a resurrection of the saved dead, and those that are alive and remain shall be caught together with him in there, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. He shall bring the spirits of the saved dead back with him, and they will receive a glorified body. They get it first. We so self-centered, we just forget that. I'm looking for the rapture. Well, there's got to be a resurrection for there's no resurrection, no rapture. We shall not prevent, precede them who have gone on. They get theirs first. And then we get ours. But here's the beautiful part. We're going to get ours. Hallelujah. This world is a mess. This country's in a mess. We're so divided. You, it's, it's almost like just a, we're a hair's breadth away from a shooting civil war in the United States. You know what's going to happen if somebody gets elected and they come for your guns down here in the Bible Belt South? Somebody's going to get shot. I mean, that's just the truth. Our founders, when they put that Second Amendment in, there wasn't permission for somebody, you know, to commit mass murder. It was so that folks like us could have protection against an oppressive government. I mean, I ain't trying to get political with you. I'm just saying. I mean, you, you, when somebody comes for 70 cents out of every dollar you make, well, they're going to have trouble getting that out of old Brother Andy. <laughs> because I, I owe so much I ain't got, you know. Or I'm poor. But we just see the seeds. It's fermenting. The unrest. The uncertainty. 
the anxiety that people are experiencing now. And then it just, you know, and, and it comes home, especially when it comes like to health problems and health issues. Now, I'm going to share something with you. It's going to knock your glasses off your head if you're wearing a pair. And it's something that the Lord impressed on me just a couple of days ago. And I was in one of them. Lord, have mercy. I can't believe heaven is better than healing. I prayed for folks. I believe in healing. Amen. I believe Jesus heals. I got it from a great big old man, some of you folks may remember, about nine feet tall, weighing a thousand pounds, had hands like a catcher's mitt. I knelt down beside the recliner that he was sitting in at his house, and he put that big old hand on my head and prayed for me. I went to pray for him, and he commences praying for me. Did you know that the Lord healed folks when he prayed for them when he, he could hardly barely talk? You know who I'm talking about. Amen. Heaven is better than healing. Because the truth of the matter is, everybody that Jesus healed died from something else. Ain't knowing them. I mean, the ones, they live in his presence, but they don't live in this body anymore. And we get so tore up and, 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 and messed up and anxious and stressed out and all that when we just need to trust him and wait. I'm waiting on the Lord to come. I believe he's coming. Uh, no, we say that, just, you know, go on down, you know. No, no, I believe he's coming. I believe he's coming today. Amen. Well, Brother Andy, what if he don't come today? Well, if I wake up in this world tomorrow, I intend to believe that he's coming tomorrow. Amen. See, People don't understand. There's been a, a, a misunderstanding about the abundant life that Jesus promised. People think that's the that's the accumulation of money or the accumulation of things or or uh, the accumulation of, of power, influence, or all this stuff that the world seeks after. That is not the abundant life Jesus promised. Y'all come that you might have life that you have might might have it more abundantly. Well, praise God if it ain't a new Lincoln, what is it, brother Andy? I live every day in the expectation of the coming of the Lord. Today can be the day. And whoo, And if today is the day, today is my day. If today is the day and today is my day, then today I look over my shoulder and wave my last bad day goodbye. Praise God. If today is the day, that means I'm going to receive a glorified body, even like an under his. If today is the day, I don't take any more insulin shots. <laughs> if today is the day, I don't take any more blood flare because I'm chronic AFib. <coughs> For those of you who never heard Brother Andy go down his list of ailments, today might be the day. I got him, Sister Grace of God, I'm alive, I'm telling you. But the truth of the matter is this, for the child of God, this world is not the end. For the child of God, this body is not the end. We inhabit it temporarily, but the day is coming when we shall be delivered out of this. And we live with that expectation. It produces joy in us. It produces peace in us. Listen, it produces 
patience in us. Amen. People get disappointed. All my dreams haven't come true. Welcome to my world. Brother, I know my dreams. All mine have. Woo. You certain about that? Ain't you got no ambition, Pastor? All my dreams come true. They come true the morning that they went to that tomb and found nothing because he was gone. <laughs> Woo! My dreams come true when poor Mary, bless her heart, on her knees squalling outside that empty tomb thinking this cat is the, is the gardener walking up behind her. You'll tell me where you've laid him so I, I can go. You know, what further indignity can you do on him? He's in a transitional form. He don't look like he did when he was on the cross or everybody run away from him because that was a, just a bloody horror. And he's yet not yet been glorified. So there is a transitional form that the Lord took after the resurrection. That's what he's in. That's why she didn't recognize him until he spoke her name. My sheep know my voice. And she went from bottom to top that quick. And that's when all my dreams came true. He's alive from the dead. He is alive from the dead. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And he has poured out on us the evidence of his bodily resurrection and his glorification in the person of the Holy Spirit. I walk around every day. I ain't worried about no debate. Aren't you, you know, you see all these stickers that say coexist and they got all these religious symbols on them? I look at them and go, don't mess with, woo, don't mess with me about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That makes all them other symbols worthless. Amen. You put your scimitar moon and all this other stuff and witch symbol and all that. It made all the rest of them worthless because Jesus Christ is alive from the dead. And I got the Holy Ghost to prove it. That's how we live. We wait on him. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but Lord, press this on me. Tell my people and tell those I have brought to this house to wait on me. Don't give up on Jesus. Remember Mary and Martha? If you had been here when we called you, Lazarus wouldn't be wrapped up in that grave over there. Man, can you imagine anybody getting attitude with Jesus? Lord, have mercy. You get attitude with Jesus, I'm going to step away. God don't miss, but, you know, man, don't get, don't get attitude with the creator of the universe, God Almighty. If you had been here, he wouldn't be dead. And the Lord's like, I know that. But I had a greater purpose in mind. I want to tell some you asked the Lord something, and he said no. And now you're kind of put out because God said no. When God says no, it's because he has something greater in mind. Jesus said no to going to Mary and Martha and, and healing Lazarus because he had something greater in mind. Lazarus was dead. He was dead as a hammer as we say down here. But when Jesus called him forth, he came forth alive, bouncing out of that tomb, all wrapped up. What was he wrapped up in? He was wrapped up in a CVS receipt. 
A couple of y'all got that. <laughs> Have a good day. I said, well, if I, if I can get all this receipt wrapped up in that bag, lady, I will. It's the truth, I'm telling you. But he comes bouncing out. Never give up on the Lord. He'll be there and he'll be there at the right time because his time is always the right time. And if you've given up on yourself, I have good news for you today. Jesus has not given up on you. Whosoever will, let him come. See, that's a blanket invitation. Preacher, you don't know what I've done. Ain't none of my business what you've done. You don't know what I've done. What I've done may make the hair fall out of your head. Why, you ever thought of that? Doesn't make any difference what you've done. Oh, but I've been bad. I don't care how bad you've been. I've committed awful sin. Yeah, I've joined the human race. Well, brother, ain't you impressed by my meanness and my sinfulness? I'm not impressed by your sinfulness and meanness or your history of bad behavior at all because it ain't about you, darling. It's not about your sinfulness. It's about his holiness. It's not about your weakness. It's about his power. It's not about who you are. It's about who he is. Praise God forever. It is about the power of his shed blood on that cross to wash your sins away. It is about his grace that is able to justify you, bring you in a legal standing before the throne of Almighty God just as if you have never done anything wrong ever. It's about Jesus. That's why the devil wants you to concentrate on yourself. You ain't no, you ain't no good. And you know you're this and that. You know you got all that. That's why he wants to put the focus on you. You want to get the devil off your back? It's very easily done. Put the focus on Jesus Christ. Begin to confess him. Begin to just tell the story once again. Begin to worship him, to thank him, to praise him for what he's done for you. The enemy of your soul can't stand the heat in that kitchen, beloved. He's got to go. Amen. Lord, so I've come that you might have life. I've come that you have peace that passes all understanding. I've come to give you something to look forward to. And I've told this congregation, I'm about to hush, a zillion times when I was a kid, and my mom would put my Christmas presents under the tree. And I'd go and I'd examine those things. Man, I did my best to figure out what it was. I think one year I got all of them right. But I lived in the weeks and the days coming up to Christmas. Man, four more days, three more days, two more days. Ooh, tomorrow? Yeah, baby. Get up with a crack of dawn. The time has come to rip all this paper off and see what I got. It's a child's expectation. And we wonder why Jesus said, if you don't become like a child, you ain't going to make it. <laughs> he has done all this so that our focus won't be on all the junks going on in this world but on what we have to look forward to. And because I'm looking forward to him come, I believe I'll wait on him. I believe he's earned that trust. And he don't owe me nothing. I owe him. Stand your feet all over the house. He's through with me.